Hey guys, welcome to the Yoga Living Project. This is Austin Richmond. I am a co-host of this podcast with my sister Amber Richmond. And for our inaugural episode, um, we will be interviewing each other. Actually, episode one will be me interviewing Amber, and episode two will be Amber interviewing me. So without further ado, here you go, and I hope you enjoy it. So now that we just finished a podcast, we'll start another podcast. <laughs> right? That's the way it goes. Uh, okay, well, this is the first podcast. My name's Austin Richmond. I'm here with my sister Amber. And we thought it would be a good way to start the Yoga Living Project podcast with um, interviewing each other about how we got into yoga and where it all started and where we're at now. So um, if you're ready, I'll go ahead. I'm going to do Are the interview first. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's only appropriate since, because you started yoga before me and in a lot of <laughs> ways you were the reason I got into yoga. So um, how did you get into yoga? Um, well, so I remember mom taking classes at the Y <laughs> when I was about three or four years old, and um, she would show me some poses. So that's like my first introduction to yoga. Mm -hmm. And I remember even then it had this kind of um, just magical sound to it, just even the word. I was like, what is that? And um, then as I kind of became a pre-teenager, pre I got interested in philosophy and different religions, and Ultimately, um, that led to a path where, like, when I was 18, I read an article from the Edgar Casey Association or Foundation or something like that about um, Kundalini, hmm. and it went into the chakras. And um, I was like, "What are these chakras?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and we still don't know. We still <laughs> we're still figuring that one out. Um, but yeah, so the chakras were just fascinating to me. And so as I, as that door opened again and again, as I was reading more about spirituality and the subtle body, it came back to yoga. And um, then I took a theater class when I was, um, I don't know, again, about 19 or so. And the teacher had us do yoga. Mm -hmm. And I remember forward fold, and there were a bunch of like basketball players sitting in the um, seats, and they wouldn't participate. And I was in a forward fold with my butt facing them. <laughs> and my hamstrings were so tight, I, and I was just shaking, and I was trying so hard to touch the ground. And like, I could just feel like my butt quivering in front of all these, like, uh, basketball players oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> but at the same time I was like you know and that was the longest forward fold ever too, yeah. by the way um and she didn't tell us we could bend our knees or anything uh -huh. like that so um but I was like wow I just did yoga and so then I started getting like videotapes and dvds from the library and uh -huh. doing it at home um when I lived in Seattle, I finally got the nerve to take a yoga class because I was so intimidated by what I saw on the videos because it was all a bunch of 
like supermodels doing crazy contortionist kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, so I took uh, kundalini yoga. It just happened to be what I <laughs> signed up <laughs> That's for. That's you first walked yeah. into. First door. <laughs> it was. My first yoga class, I'll take kundalini. Kundalini sounds good. I like the name. I'd read about kundalini, so I'm like, cool. Um, and it was, it was awesome. It was at a community center, and this woman was um, a teacher, an elementary school teacher, and then taught kundalini yoga and I mean the first class we're like flapping our arms 500 times and looking at, at our third eye and chanting stuff and I was just like I just left like what what just happened and um I would go home and write down the sequences so that I could practice them on my own yeah. and um and yeah so then eventually I just um I it just kind of went from there uh-huh cool and so at what point did you decide like I'm gonna do teacher training? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a yoga teacher. At what point or what point does it go from just being like this is interesting to I think I'm in love with this because that's usually right. the kind of way it happens is you know you have a casual kind of experience with it and then you know it either plateaus and you just kind of go on with your life or it grabs a hold of you and doesn't let go right I don't know if I was ever casual about yoga um even when I was doing it with Denise Austin in my living room (laughs) it was something where like I knew it was just somehow I just knew it was going to be a huge part of my life and um so there was never that moment or that epiphany it Mm -hmm. just always was Mm -hmm. like it was always there um and what was the other part of the question? Uh, then what about the teacher training? At what point did it, were you like, okay, I think I'm ready to take this to the next level? Okay, so yeah, back um, when I lived in Seattle, I remember writing a bucket list, and one was to become, I just wrote yogi. I don't, and I look at it now, and I'm like, what does that mean? But um, I remember just thinking it was like something I never thought I'd actually get to. And my idea of what that meant at the time was so different. It meant you could do certain postures and, you know, you would always be happy and you'd never be sick and you'd, like, just, like, stuff you and I both know is not even close to what it's actually about. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that now, but at the time I thought I'd never get there and that I had to keep doing these practices at home until I'd be good enough to go to a studio and then maybe be years at the studio until I was good enough to do a teacher training um but then I was working at the library in a small town um here in uh, Palmer Lake here in Colorado and um I saw an like an advertisement on the wall for a yoga teacher training and something about it being in Palmer Lake which is such a small town just took the intimidation out of it I was like well I can do this so I called her and she's like well do you want to come meet me first or anything and I was like no I'm just gonna do it (laughs) and she was like you know I think you better come take a class with me first and so I took a class and I was like sign me up so she was doing the due diligence she's like no you will (laughs) you will learn about you will come meet me and make sure you know what you're getting into and then what was the next step after that because did you start teaching right away um, well, I did. Um, I started teaching at home, just a class that I offered to friends, and uh, 
you probably remember that one in my living room once a week. Uh, that was my first. That was my first yoga class. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so a little bit, but I still felt like I got a lot of philosophy, but not a whole lot about how to structure a class or sequence. And so um, I eventually took another teacher training for that and. And during that whole teacher training, I kept saying the whole time, I'm not going to be a yoga teacher. I'm not going to be a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher. Like, I just, I've always had to kind of trick myself into things, I think, Mm -hmm. and um, do them anyway, the whole time telling myself, well, I'm not really going to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then, so you got into yoga, took the teacher training, all kind of just trusting intuition, knowing that somehow it was leading you in the right way without too much fuss or uh, or need of credentials on your end from the yoga. Um, then you ended up starting a studio, Cambio, which is a donation-based yoga studio here in Colorado Springs. Tell me about how that all happened. Well, that, you know, I think the seeds for that go back really far. Um, to junior high and we'd sit around drinking coffee and sadly smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. and talking about you know just having some place where people could go and you know there'd be community and it'd be a place where punks and skateboarders and all the freaks in the world would have you know could get a cup of coffee and hang out and go to the skate shop and go whatever and um i see now that it was this idea about building community that was so important to me that then um, when I was an elementary school teacher again and again was really what I did best and then um, I used to just kind of daydream about having a donation studio and I hadn't heard about one but my teacher who um, led my first teacher training uh, she took donations for yoga classes And that, to me, was just such an incredible idea. I was someone who at the time was, you know, in my 20s and didn't have a lot of money to spend on yoga. And I think I also felt, you know, kind of that youthful injustice, like, this is messed up. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with the world? And I, yeah, so that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And then uh, one day just on a hike, my friend who wound up being the co-owner for a while at Cambio and I were talking and I was talking about the price of yoga and that I've always wanted to do a donation studio and it just it just happened mm-hmm. after that. So when you decided to like start it, what was, I guess, what was the story behind once you, d- besides coming up with the idea, then putting it into action, what did what was that process like? Well, there was not much of a process. It was just a matter of doing it. And, you know, I get interviewed a lot by people who are taking a business class and they have to interview an entrepreneur and find out about their business plan. And I am the one who's like, nope, no business plan. Just dove in, just did it. Uh, I, It's really something that's kind of mystifies me still. I'm not sure that that friend and I even had a conversation saying, let's do this. 
it just next thing I knew she was like I found this space that would be cool for a studio and then it just happened and it was really something that originally we all and you included because you were just huge you were um pivotal in this whole thing um I it was something where we thought we'd offer it on the side on the side of our lives you know like Mm -hmm. it would again maybe it's that denial piece because I was Mm kind of like no this isn't what I'm going to do for a living I'm (laughs) going to keep teaching elementary school and just do this on the side because the community needs it Mm -hmm. and it was never a part of my vision that it would become uh, what I do for a living Mm -hmm. and so the donation is just kind of like one piece about it because Mm -hmm. even from the get-go there was uh, a consideration of three guiding principles built into it. So can you tell us what those are and how you came upon those? Well, um, I don't remember them right now. Uh, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's accessibility, uh-huh. uh, community, and everyone is welcome. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Yeah. They're kind of similar to each other. but They are. And I think they're really they, just different facets of the same thing. Right. Right. So let's come back to community in terms of you felt like when you were an elementary teacher, you were good at building community. And I think that, you know, Cambio now being here six years, six and a half years, um, I think that is one of the main reasons why it has lasted as long as it has. And it's got um, so much, I guess, uh, so much heart to it is that really is the community it's not that there's a specialty of yoga that's taught or even like obviously we're not like a lineage based studio we're not like you know based off of some yoga teacher or some yoga guru somewhere it's just kind of like it's different kinds of classes there's different kinds of teachers and um and we i think we give our you know teaches a lot of freedom and in mm-hmm. effect it gives our students a lot of freedom too but um, how did that grow how did that germinate well I think that what you were just saying about the teachers is I think that when you really celebrate what makes people individuals then there's room for community to happen which sounds kind of like that that there wouldn't be a correlation there they sound Mm -hmm. like opposing ideas maybe because sometimes we think of community as lack of individual but something I've noticed in my classroom and in the studio is that the more you just trust people to to know what they're doing and to Mm -hmm. listen to their own hearts and their own inner guidance about things that really awesome things start to happen and that when people feel that trust, then they feel um, I, there's just a connection that mm-hmm. comes out of that. And so as far as, sorry, I'm going blank. What was the first part of the question? Well, I think just getting back to like the idea of that, you know, the way I think you kind of, have cultivated 
the community in mm. that you haven't been heavy-handed in it needing to be a lineage-based school or it being um, one style of yoga or even necessarily the way you see it all the time. Like you really kind of had a vision of it being accessible and based around community and donation. Um, but then beyond that, you've really given people a lot of ground and freedom to kind of make it their own. Um, and I guess, is there ever a sense of feeling like it's like, you know, the bath water's overflowing or it's like it's running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And I guess, how do you manage that as, as a leader being less of a, a boss and more of a, of a leader? in that sense, a hands-off type of leader. Right. I, well, I think it's something that you and I talk about a lot, and that's the idea of stewardship. I think that um, it's just again and again um, when we don't see it as our creation, but when we see it as something that we are very lucky to be taking care of, then it becomes a lot easier to let go of these hard and fast ideas of what it should be. Mm. And I, I've found that the more I let go of those things and the more I sit back and let other people make it into what they want to make it into, it actually becomes more of what I originally envisioned. Mm -hmm. The community gets stronger, people's loyalty and sense of just love for it and their own sense of stewardship. And I think that that's something that and again, it's something you and I talk about all the time, but it's people feel a sense of ownership there. Mm -hmm. And we've always been deliberate about mm -hmm. building it to be a studio that's not around a personality or an individual or even a certain style or lineage, but that is something that every single person who goes there owns a stake in. And has responsibility for caring for, mm -hmm. and I and I think it's worked. Yeah, no, and I I think it's also a testament that you being a Virgo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's such a detail-oriented creature, of uh, as not you know, I've just worked at a lot of places with uh, micromanaged type of structures, mm -hmm. and it's just um, I think that. You know, I think that that is a hard thing as a studio owner to give up, you know, give up power oh, ultimately totally. and to trust mm -hmm. the people you're working for or working for you be because you end up working for them. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Well said. Well, and I think it's something that, and, and you know, like I have moments where I'm like, why don't instructors read their emails <laughs> or, you know, why can't everyone keep the back counter cleaned off and it, again and again I have to remind myself to let go it's not like just something that just happens and you're done and there you are mm -hmm. and at the same time there is a balance to it because as we've grown if there weren't certain procedures in place for how to do things like it would be a total just chaotic yeah. mess and it has I mean I think you know the fact that it's been six years and that you know, we've been recognized by the community with best of awards and things like that. I mean, it's it's definitely um, definitely been a success in a kind of uh, 
practical sense. Obviously, donation-based yoga, nobody's getting rich. And um, I guess maybe I'd like to hear you talk about a little bit of what success is for you in terms of it um, not only being a place of community, being a place of yoga, and also as a business. Right. Well, one aspect I would say is that I think I've always been a fan of the underdog. And so every time I hear from someone who is scared to try yoga and they come in and they feel welcome and they feel connected and they have a real opportunity to give yoga a fair try without it being a negative experience, like that to me is a success. Mm -hmm. And I think that that you know, that's just probably the biggest thing for me. Um, But it's also just like getting to work with you is the ultimate success in so many ways because it reminds me of like when we were kids and we would, do you remember like making up dance routines (laughs) in grandma's dining room? (laughs) Yeah. And like, or, or we'd, all kinds of stuff. Like we'd, we were so imaginative and we could dream up all kinds of things and like those are some of my best memories in life and when I'm doing my best is when I am collaborating uh, when I get to spend time with people I love and so then to get to collaborate with my brother who's like one of my favorite humans ever that to me like I'm getting kind of (laughs) teary-eyed but it's like I sometimes can't even believe that this is what I get to do and so you know I you and I were just talking about money and um the book that you're reading which um I can't remember the name of what is that Uh, choose yourself guide to wealth by James Altucher right and so it's it's one of those things where yeah I probably am not going to be the person who's writing books ever about how to make lots of money but I feel like the quality of my life is just so rich and it's it's that to me is success Mm -hmm. so um yeah and I think uh, it's funny that you know you started your journey with kundalini yoga and the father of Kundalini is a guy named Yogi Bhajan, for those of you who don't know. And he was, he had a quote that he said that, um, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher it. I wish I could, I, I didn't prepare this, but um, it was something to the effect of how he doesn't want just yoga students. He wants to eventually make everybody a yoga teacher. Mm. And um, I think that that is, uh, in some capacity or other, worth bringing up in this interview. Um, just kind of the journey we've been on together in making yoga teachers as we've done 15 of them now and uh so 15 trainings yeah 15 trainings i don't know if you want to talk about how that happened or how it started or where it's going or what you think about that um or even based on the donation model but um you know i know that going from starting it as a uh our first one being only six people who were, you know, interviewed and had to apply and were chosen and then traded basically their training for a year of teaching to now, you know, 15 trainings later that have all been open to the public and 
led and ran successfully in moving into 2016 uh, to begin our first 300 hour to make 500 hour yoga teachers. Um, yeah. What is exciting about it to you still? And um, I guess how do you how do you reconcile the idea that you know you're in the business of yoga as a yoga teacher, as a yoga studio owner, and uh, you know essentially are we saturating the waters are we making you know yeah bring so many teachers into the world because that is a criticism of studios that with all these teacher trainings that you know yoga teachers are a dime a dozen and so on and so forth and that is one way to look at it for sure I think that for me the journey of a teacher training is an empowering experience for people. And I don't know about all teacher trainings, and I've certainly gone through some myself that weren't empowering, and I know you have too, and we've been in some of those together, and we learn from them, though, too. And so it's exciting for me to actually look at what has been maybe not a good experience, maybe could be looked at as a waste of time and money, and to kind of alchemize that and to say, okay, how can we take this and learn from it and do it in a way that's different and in a way that really enriches the lives of the people who take it rather than just, you know, there are people coming in, uh, you know, like they're in a factory and we're just pressing out little yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what, I think there's some bitterness there on the part of yoga teachers because they maybe, you know, to be honest, I think there are some yoga teachers who like to be able to say they're a yoga teacher and have that be something that not a lot of people have done. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. But it's ahead. like the real work start, you know, you could train literally all 300 and whatever it is, 64 million people in America, mm-hmm. to, but it's only from that point forward that that really it becomes a it becomes a duty you know like we always i know in our t- training we look at the ethics uh, and moral guidelines of what it means to be a yoga teacher based on georg fjorstein's mm-hmm. um outline and the first one on there is Yoga is a noble and ennobling endeavor. And I think that, you know, you could train a million people and people do a million different things with it. And really it comes down to the word, what you said, which was empowerment. And I think that even on, you know, kind of pulling the lens out here away from just yoga teachers and teacher trainings, um, I think that that is kind of what makes Cambio a really special place. And um, being donation-based yoga obviously opens up an entirely different kind of demographic to be able to access that type of empowerment that having a yoga studio and also a yoga community. Um, And so I guess um, brings forth a question in my mind to you, what has been your favorite part about running Cambio? Like what have been the most rewarding parts or what favorite moments or stories or Um, Well, it's been, it's, always comes back to the people which is funny because you know I'm such an introvert and (laughs) 
<laughs> Sometimes it's like I have to get myself revved up just to go to a class at my own studio. <laughs> I'm like, I can do this. It's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it well, really... but it becomes a different thing. Well, yeah. Like and if you're not true. a studio owner, you don't know that like going to your own studio after a while starts to become, it's like a project. It's like open season for anybody there to be like asking you like, oh, Amber's here. By the way, where do I file these? Or yeah, <laughs> Joey wanted to return his leggings because his butt didn't look good in them. Right. You know. Yeah. And that, and that's certainly part of it. Um, and some of it definitely is my own introversion too. <laughs> I have to be honest about that. But um, yeah, I, it, it's still, it's, it's the people and it's the connection and it's seeing people who through yoga and whether it's through classes or through teacher training or through connection to community or whatever it is, again, coming back to that word of empowerment, because I feel like to some extent, some of the people who don't like to see yoga becoming so common, mm. um, there's the opposite of empowerment there, and that's a they can somewhat have a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. And you know, I love seeing different kinds of people doing yoga, mm-hmm. and and that's from everything from body type to age to socioeconomic status or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting for me. And, you know, I think it speaks to my own inner child who I just never, I always felt like an outsider. And so Mm -hmm. to see people who are maybe um, outsiders in some way, shape or form coming in and, and becoming a part of something is really, really gratifying and of course, the other thing is is the connection with people who I get to work with and collaborate with because I love to dream this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And so to go back to your question about teacher trainings, like to sit around with you and to think of like how could we make, what kind of training would we want to take? Mm-hmm. And how can we take the stuff we've learned and make it really fun and really accessible and really engaging is that's the kind of stuff that brings me to life and gets me just super stoked about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, kind of to bring it back to the idea of the spirit of, of, you know, the benefit of what we get to do creatively there is that there's been a bit of a rollover um, circumstance that the donation-based model has kind of allowed for us and what i mean by that is we do a lot of charity work and so um i I guess i want to ask you know what you care to say about that or how that all started and um and what that looks like from your standpoint as an owner of a donation-based yoga studio that tends to put so much time in energy into and and financials into uh into these campaigns for for our quarterly uh charity and donation drives yeah well it's it's cool that we're in a place where we can do that I mean that to me is incredible I still feel like all the time and that's something that I think about like at night when I can't sleep um 
is I just still feel like there's so much more we can do. And I feel like we've done a good job of finding ways to do that and tap into the community over the years. But I really see that as going forward, um, becoming an even bigger part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's essential because if we are a community-based studio, then it's necessary for us to support our community mm-hmm. in, in ways other than just yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, so that ties, that dovetails perfectly into where do you see yourself with Cambio or just Cambio in the next five years? Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a big question. Well, for sure. Something that everyone at least in town seems to know about now is we want to open another location or or two or three just again to make yoga more accessible and something that has been huge is we have this group with other yoga studio owners in town and so continuing to collaborate with them I think is important and I feel like you and I have learned so much over the past six years that that to me has been exciting is how can we lift up other studio owners? And so I feel like that's going to be a piece of mm-hmm. our, what we're doing in the future. And I don't know quite what that looks like yet. And, you know, at the same time, who knows? Yeah. Life can change quickly. And, and I don't know what that'll look like. But right now... I'm seeing more locations so that more people can access yoga. And and that's been a huge thing that we've done, too, that when we first opened, we didn't go to these saturated places where there's a studio on every corner. And I still think about the people who live in the parts of town who aren't as cool. Mm-hmm. The people are, but the parts of town yeah. aren't as cool. And uh, they just they have to drive a long ways to get to yoga and that keeps them from doing yoga. And mm-hmm. so that really is important to me to get to have studios in places where other people don't want to have studios. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a good way to kind of, um, kind of tie up this interview, just the idea of growing the pie bigger, um, not just in terms of like what we're doing with donation base and cambio yoga, but also, uh, what we're doing for community, even outside of Cambio, where it's whether it's the charities or whether it's working with other yoga studios, um, and all through the city of Colorado Springs, which is where we've been for a long time, so definitely close to our heart. So, um, last question I want to ask you: This being the Yoga Living Project, um, our kind of tagline question is: What does living your yoga mean to you? For me, living yoga is not about, you know, the, and this stuff's nice too, but like the little feel-good memes that are going around on Facebook or about the pretty poses, um, the soft, fluffy stuff, and, and that stuff's great. But I like to, and I have to, I can't seem to avoid it. If I'm going to live yoga, I have to examine the murky and shadowy areas of my life and of my heart and so even like talking about the yoga studio owners group 
is was a response to my own shadows in my heart because as you know better than anyone I, I would struggle with not feeling like I was enough uh, not feeling like I compared to these other studio owners who can do amazing mm-hmm. poses or whatever or maybe I heard they said something negative about us and so then every time I saw them or heard someone mention them I'd have just a little like stab of jealousy or darkness in mm-hmm. me and it just was like enough like I don't want to do that anymore and mm-hmm. the only way I know to make that end is to get to know them as people and to learn to really cheer for them and root for them and so you know we started this group and that's what's happened I, I can really say like I want these people to succeed and when I see their posts talking about their successes I'm genuinely happy Yeah. and so again and again that's what I'm hoping to do in my life and I'm you know sometimes I'm really successful sometimes it's like you know several steps backwards but it's looking at the places where I am not being my authentic self where there's shadow Mm -hmm. where there's negative stuff and finding ways to really apply the principles of yoga and and be a better person and hopefully a happier person for it too cool all right well thanks thank you anything else you want to say about cambio Um, or we switch no i think that's good okay cool yay yay well there you have it that was our first podcast i hope you enjoyed it and episode two is going to be online as well Feel free to follow us at yogalivingproject.com. We're also on Facebook and SoundCloud and all that good stuff. Hope you have a great day. Bye.